And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, Hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, and here today as a host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, startups. Today, we're covering subscription programs that have happen to do with D2C. We're going to be covering it all. I'm super excited to bring today's guest, but before we do, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Double, a flexible assistant service for busy executives that matches you with an experienced assistant, and you only pay for the hours you need. Double handles all of the upfront, time-consuming items such as interviewing, matching, onboarding, invoicing, and training. Go to withdouble.com today and get 50% off your first month when you sign up with the code HUSTLE22. That is withdouble.com. Use code HUSTLE22 and unlock 50% off your first month. Now for today's guest, Matthew Holman. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here. Great to be here, man. Yeah. yeah uh, calling out of uh, Salt Lake City. Um, yep. Yeah. How's the weather there right now? It's nice and sunny and just a little bit cool. Um, getting a little colder, but it's really nice. I love it. Everyone that calls me from Salt Lake City is usually at a coffee shop with like a view of the mountains in the background. And I'm just like, what is your guys' life? This looks amazing. It's pretty phenomenal, man. The mountains are like right there. Like I know a lot of people in Colorado, the mountains are actually still a ways away. They're literally like, they're right there. Like I could be in the mountains in 15 minutes. I'm like, are you guys using a background? And they're like, no, this is just, you know, I've just, there's a lot of uh, e-commerce and startups, a lot of like energy yeah. coming out of Salt Lake City, totally. Um, which I think is really cool. I, I like to think of Kansas City as a city that's really exploding and it has a lot of energy behind it. You know, they're calling, kind of calling us maybe the next Austin. Um, just a lot of startups out here, but I love being in those cities definitely as someone that's uh, part of the startup community. Just, it makes it a little bit more fun when everyone you talk to is going on. So I want to get to know, like, you know, we always start the show off getting to know a little bit about our guests, um, you know, for our listeners to kind of just put some context to who who we're talking with today. Talk to me about, um, you know, your journey in business, your journey in entrepreneurship. Like, did it start out as a kid? Is it something, uh, you know, you went to school and you're like, I'm going to be a business owner? Uh, you no, know, I, it's fu it's funny. I mean, I'm sure uh, you don't get this. I don't go in too much detail on 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 different interviews on this, but feel like it's really applicable to like your audience but yeah no I when I was a kid you know I, I wanted like I like studied comparative literature I was a book nerd I did drama stuff like that um, but through a series of like you know poor choices on my part and some bad shit that happened to me I actually was in prison like I'm formerly incarcerated so okay. I went in at 22 and got out in my 30s with having to like figure out how to like succeed in my life right like I yeah. went in as a kid got out was in that whole time reading the wall street journal and business magazines with my friends and talking about, you know, we were hustling and grinding in there as much as we can. And, um, got out here thinking, you know, what, what am I going to do with myself? And for me, the idea of being like a, you know, an ex com that's like teaching some poetry class or whatever, doesn't really, didn't really jive anymore. It was more about, I need to find a way to support myself and, 
and wanted to build something that lasts, you know, kind yeah. of disproves. So I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I'm not like necessarily negative about it or anything, but I'm definitely motivated by wanting to build to show that people that make those mistakes, I'm not defined by that. That's not who I am. I'm all about trying to build and create community and supporting people and stuff. So I, uh, I went back to school after I got out. And um, for me, I picked like a tech degree because I thought it'd be easier to get a job in tech. And Mm-hmm. And, um, but I've always loved e-commerce for me. It's, you know, I, I, while I was incarcerated, I learned like print and sign and design stuff. Right. So for me, I've always been a big person around messaging and, and there's a science to that. And for me, I love e-commerce because it's, it's just so, so funny. You, you know, you're talking about the, the name of Marknology. It's like, for me, e-commerce is the intersection of technology and buyer behavior and psychology. Mm-hmm. And those two fields are so fascinating and they're so quickly innovating and evolving all the time, right? Like if we discover a new buying pattern or buying behavior, there's going to be 30 startups and a thousand businesses that start incorporating that, start testing it and figuring it out. So that's what I love. So I went from like, you know, school to um, working on some of my own side businesses. I got a job at a small company doing marketing. um, And from there, just kind of like kept just grabbing the next opportunity. Um, And I had the opportunity to join QPilot as a co-founder to run marketing and growth there. And it's just been an amazing ride. I've been there two years. And for me, I get to love, I work directly with brands on, on the yeah. subscription programs. I get all the data from hundreds of customers about what's working, what's not. And I get to go turn that into content, educate people and help our brands grow and stuff. So anyway, that's uh, a mouthful. But anyway. Well, that's a that's an amazing story. And I love a comeback story. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, there's nothing better because it's one thing to just come out winning and hitting home runs and just stay winning. It's another thing to get knocked on your butt. And then pick yourself back up and really right. know. Um, I definitely can speak to that uh, myself. And that chip on the shoulder thing, you know, for me, um, <clears throat> what I love about e-commerce is like I'm nobody from nowhere. Uh, like, you know, I'm from the bottom. Uh, and I would assume it's similar to like, you know, coming out of out of the system and having to figure out where do I exist in this world. You know, I grew up in Africa, so I moved here at 16 and then like oh, then wow. being kind of somewhat poor and you know, you just have to kind of figure your, your way. And I tried a bunch of things. E-commerce was the one that was like the great equalizer. I really right. think that like, it's like, if you're good at it, if you're, and you know, I was uh street smart and uh, you know, I survived in Congo, like, you know, I was, yeah. as a kid, wow. like I very street smart just from observing. And so being able to take kind of some of those skills that you naturally get, right. You know, um, and then be able to apply those to business instead of them just being wasted. Like, how yes. do people think? How do they move? You know, and then uh, also being like, I would say cultured in, in the sense of like just having traveled the world, you know, at a young age and seeing all the different cultures makes me think differently about selling. So like, you know, it's not just how I think it's how, you know, every, everyone has their own way of thinking and living. And OK, so like, let's let's market to them. Let's right. get the messaging right. Um, right. A huge proponent of that. We were talking about emotionally connecting with content, like before we went live and like, that's a big passion for me. It comes back to messaging, right? However you're wording it, but it's like, how do you create emotion, evoke emotion, get people to go e-commerce that, that customer buying behavior patterns you're talking about, like, it's just super exciting to me. I can nerd out really about it. Oh, it. I can nerd out about it all day. It's so fascinating. I mean, for me, like, I think one of the things that's been a good skill for me is I, I didn't know what I didn't know when I get out and was trying to figure it out. So a lot of what I was learning was just learning what I liked and what I didn't like and, and trying to like put myself in the, in the, in the seat of the consumer. Um, and then for me too, it's been an interesting journey from like a hustle standpoint of 
know, trying to learn so many different parts of marketing, whether it's Facebook ads or crafting landing pages and emails, and you do all these things. And while I can do a lot of those things, I've also been discovering what I'm really, really good at and then trying to pivot, right? Like, so, you know, I did an event today here in Salt Lake where I was able to interview like the head of content and social media manager for the Utah Jazz. And, and we had a room of 60 people that all just want to come out and learn from that. And so doing events and connecting with community and building that up is something that I've discovered that I'm, I'm good at and can be passionate about, and it helps the business. It helps the brand and all those things too. So it's just kind of like fun part of that journey. You figure out what you can do and double down and, and, and just keep continue to get better and, 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 and then also try to innovate. Right. Yeah, like, um, and we can avoid this subject if you want. You just no, give me cool. the look. No, it's um, <laughs> But, you know, we were talking about kind of like you being in Salt Lake and uh, having religious backgrounds, getting to know each other a little bit before the show. And for me, something I'm realizing in my 30s is that, like, I grew up, I'm a fourth generation preacher's kid, missionary kid, you know. And um, while I'm not religious now, you know, I'm, I'm still spiritual. But what I realized is that, like, I was uh, raised by community builders. Mm-hmm. You know, like that community building part of the church of the religion is like kind of ingrained in me in some ways. And um, being able to think about it, like from a group of people, that's a natural skill. Right. Like, you know, it's a natural skill that's right. kind of just like you don't have if you're not from that type of upbringing um, that I'm like, this is a benefit um, and as well as the storytelling part, at least like in the, you know, in the churches I grew up with, very charismatic speakers, oh, yeah. like storytelling you know you've got these kids just on the edge of their seat listening to like some honestly like ex-convict like telling his story of like overcoming you know covered in tattoos and just like oh man they just had me hooked i was just like oh this is amazing um because i honestly believed in the book at the time and uh you know the bible is just full of stories so it was just like an extension of that like kind of thing you know and that now i'm in branding and i'm in storytelling content you know we're full service amazon management at marknology but um I've worked with over 300 brands, me and the team. And, um, you know, some build a brand and it becomes iconic and they've, they've built one brand that's iconic. It's massive, you know, or, or maybe a few, I love the agency side of what we do. Um, because I just get to work with so many brands, yeah. so many founders with so many stories, so many stories to life. Yeah. what's working, what's not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm honestly learning like TikTok, uh, TikTok content right now, it's- personally. Uh, not making it myself, but more so how to leverage this for brands. Right. And just, I'm in it. I'm in it and I'm learning and I'm studying and I'm hanging out with a couple 23 year olds, a 19 year old, like really just trying to like get in their heads and like see, you know, cause what they're doing is successful right now. Right. And so I'm like trying to think like that way. And I just absolutely love kind of like that problem solving part of it. Um, so I want to go back to your story. Okay. So I went down a rabbit hole. So where you, you, um, you know, you started working with this company, then you're the pilot. Um, and what are you guys working on now? Let's talk about that. Like, you know, you, you also have a community, I think, um, yep. you talked about having a community event with Utah jazz, which is funny because I had a YouTuber in, uh, 2019 before the pandemic, uh, that was following me around kind of like Gary V style. Okay. And, uh, he, I had made him sign this deal and I don't think he'll care about me telling us this because he looks good, but, uh, we had made this like agreement that he couldn't leave me for a year. Cause I said, once we start making this content and I start pushing it, like it's Amazon, you're a good video videographer. Like the stuff is going to pop. I'm telling you. And, uh, I was just too busy to sit there and make YouTube videos. I was like, I'm running call to call a brand, a brand, a brand, just like record what I'm doing. Let's, let's turn it into content. And, uh, a little early, it's picking up speed now. 
but he actually went to uh from this college I spoke in. He went to this basketball camp up here in Kansas City. The basketball camp invited him down to LA to film a basketball camp. He meets Kobe. He meets like uh, some of these other players and whatnot. Like they're shooting kind of the camp because that's who had hired him to do it. Well, he comes back. He's like, "Can I do the camp again?" And he's been filling. He like filled in a videographer for me. And uh, the it, the team, I think it was, um, it might have been Cleveland as okay. the first one. But there was him and a couple others. They became the first content creators for the NBA. Dang. Uh, him and a couple <laughs> of those guys. Uh, so like literally like That's they got awesome. picked, uh, scooped up and I said, I can't hold him back. Like, <laughs> like okay, I'll make really do with whatever. You no, really but, um, it's cool that you met the head of marketing today, yeah. right. Of, of the jazz. I think yeah. that, and, um, to know, like, I just knew a little bit of the insider, like what they were doing is essentially the team started like paying for a videographer to create content for the players, right. like, you know, the walkouts and like just making them have clips for their social media and all that kind of stuff to brand them. And that's what he was kind of doing. And it's been really cool to watch his journey over the last couple of years. Yeah. It's really fascinating to learn more about kind of like the jazz, their strategy. They've got a big team. They do like PR and their social media strategies kind of run in parallel. And, you know, they're trying to drive awareness. Like they've got this a lot of international following now. Apparently they've got some people in the Philippines and other places that are now basketball fans and jazz fans because of like a lot of what they're doing. So it was, it was kind of fascinating to learn how a bigger organization kind of looks at that and makes decisions. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's a, an aspect of the share house community and e-commerce community we're kind of doing out here. Um, you tell, know, me, love- tell me a little bit about the share house community. Like Give me, give me the elevator pitch of like, you know, what, what your community is about. Yeah, basically we, you know, we have a really active Slack channel and do events, um, but we're really all about just kind of connecting the community, empowering people with more knowledge. So regardless of kind of what you're doing, the best place to learn, I think from other is other people in the space. So other brands learning from other brands, you know, we try to pay attention to our service providers and make sure that we have really good people and good experts in the space so that and a lot of times we have a Slack channel where somebody wants a question like, hey, what's a good 3PL in this area? And they get recommendations like, who do you use for this? And what software should we be doing for that? And, you know, so we get in questions like that all the time. And that's really just kind of all about what there, there's tons of community around. There's tons of people that are doing that. But within Utah, there's just so much happening within the CPG and D2C space. And there's just no group here that's really trying to help empower the community in that way. So we're trying to do that. Um and it's good for me. It's good for Q Pilot for the you know the business that I'm doing as well because we're trying to help e-commerce companies figure out subscriptions. So, yeah, for me, it's like you know I I've obsessed about Amazon for 11 years, um, and you know I love it. I still am building it. I'm building Amazon brands. You know this is what we do. Um, but I still get a lot of joy, a lot of fulfillment, you know, from continuing to learn in areas of e-commerce outside of my, like, you know, my bucket and the agency right. we built. So that holistic e-commerce thing, the podcast for me, these conversations right here, getting to learn more, um, you know, about a great subscription service that we're going to get into and, or how to optimize those, um, is like, you know, it's continual learning, which for me is like a must. So right. the community really brings that. Um, so that's super cool. And that, where can people find out more information about, about that community? Yeah. If you go to sharehouse.com, um, and there's a button to join and they ask you some questions cause we like to know who's in the community and kind of what they're up to, um, to get in. And then you get emailed the Slack link and yeah, we've got people from all over. We do some in-person events here in Utah, um, but we're figuring out how to do more and kind of scale up so we can offer more value to people. I love it. Okay. You guys heard it. Um, okay. So talking about, you know, today's, today's topic is like how to get more out of your subscription 
Um, right. You know, subscription services like on Amazon, you know, I have some brands where our strategy is to push and reinforce, um, you know, retention with our customers through the subscribe and save program, kind of the right. built in subscription service. But, right. you know, with some of my D2C brands, like um, some of our bigger, like, I guess, wholesale customers would be like some of some of the boxes and the sub- subscription boxes and things like that. Um, so I have some, you know, knowledge about that, but talk to me more about Cupid, you know, tell me more about, um, what it does as a, as a service, as a SaaS. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's like, just think about it in like context, like from a story standpoint, like if you're, if you're selling on Amazon and you're doing subscribe and save, like you definitely want to do that from a retention standpoint, you get, you know, more revenue. There's a great, great way to just add some predictability to your business and create a little more engagement with your customers. But there's really not a lot you can do with it. Like you just choose what discount you set and depending on what people pick, they get, you know, Amazon opts in for an extra like 5%, yep. right? So it's, it's fairly limited in your ability to control that. And I think when you mentioned like subscription boxes, we've seen this really strong rise, you know, like um, Birchbox or, or, you know, um, you know, ButcherBox, like there's so many different cosmetic boxes. Um, basically like, a lot of those started because there's this around this experience you're like trying to wow or impress somebody, right? Like this opening experience, people subscribe to that. They get some cool cop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but also it's like a lot easier from an operational standpoint to run a business that way, because you don't have to worry about weighing out the boxes. You don't have to worry about charging people shipping. Like it's all kind of like included. It's like an experience, but what we're seeing like from a trend, more and more brands that are like, say I sell pet food, on my, on my Shopify site. And now I want to offer a subscribe and save option. So more and more brands are kind of rolling out this option between one time versus subscription. But what's interesting is because there's so many subscriptions everywhere, right? Whether it's like, you're talking about your Amazon prime or Netflix or whatever it is, people are a little bit leery of subscriptions because a lot of people like, you know, I don't want to get a candle subscription and I've got 20 candles in my room that I never use. Right. Yeah. So, what QPilot does is QPilot is right coming at it from a kind of an operational standpoint, which means we're trying to make it really, really easy for a brand to let their customer have total control over the subscription. So meaning when you want to get it, how often you want to get what you're getting, changing products, all these things so that a brand can can tell their customer, this is the easiest subscription you're ever going to be on, right? Like I have a dollar shave sub, shave sub dollar shave club subscription I'm bald. I shave my head a lot. Um, I've been on there for years, years, because anytime I, you know, say I'm growing my hair out or something, I can two clicks and I pause my subscription or two clicks. I push my razors out cause I've got too many. Right. And what that, the reason that's working is because I don't ever cancel because why would I cancel? I could just make it whatever I want it to be. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to, st- I'm sticking around and, and dollar shave club. I'm probably not their ideal customer. Cause I, I basically never buy their upsells. Right. I'm just kind of like, I like the razor. That's it. I'm good. But there's tons of other people that they're getting more and more value out of because they stick them around longer. So Q story is all about flexibility that with flexibility, customers get what they want from the subscription. They stick around longer, higher LTV, more profit for your business. It feels trustworthy to get yep. options. You know, feels trustworthy to get options um, versus like you're shoving this down my throat. Right. And, you know, there's some of the things you sign up for, like I'll put them on blast. Log me in. Okay. So log me in is a service I I, I don't use for my meetings anymore. Um, I literally can't get out of like, you know, it was yeah. an auto, auto renew. Um, 
and they locked me in. They've made me pay several hundred dollars a month for like the last 18 months until my, you know, my thing is done. I can't get out of it. It wasn't like I can go down to a lower subscription. It wasn't like, um, okay, can I pivot this into something else? Cause they have a bunch of companies, right? Yeah. I think like, you know, they own a bunch of different companies that I'm like, okay, um, there's just no options there. And now I probably will never use that company again once I get out. Right. It's, and it's not it's about yeah. buying your customer up, you know, it really, it really isn't like it. I mean, to me, I always, the metaphor I always use is gym membership, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever had a gym membership or anybody listening had a gym membership, like try canceling your gym membership. Like, do you really want that to be your subscribe and save experience? Like for whatever reason, if you need to cancel that, like it's really, really hard. And if there's another gym, if there is just one other option after somebody cancels that kind of a negative experience, you better believe they're going to the other option. Like they're going to yeah. figure something else out because they don't want to get stuck again. They don't like it. People don't like that. And so I, I, I talk to a lot of businesses and like, I, I think that I, I understand the, the approach to that. It's a revenue approach. It's a protecting your revenue approach. But, but realistically, if you want to build something that can scale, that people are going to be talking about with other people, like, you know, anybody's listening to this, who's considering buying a log me in subscription is going to probably bulk at it from what you just said. Right. Which is, which is the whole point they hopefully they're comfortable with that. If not, they need to redo their, their strategy. Right. But that's the idea is like, I want to be able to tell people, Hey, uh, you know, if you buy a bullfrog spa, you can actually get all your supplies on a subscription and you can set the schedule to be whatever you want the replacement parts to be for your, for your hot tub. Yeah. And it's like, what you, you can make it that easy. That. Yeah. That's you don't have to think service. about it. It's easy. Boom. And you know, that's the kind of thing that I tell people about. Yeah. Like, Oh, if you're thinking about this or this, like, Oh, you should go with these guys. Cause it's easier to buy parts and supplies. And so that's the thing we're thinking about with subscriptions is like, what do people really want? Where's the engagement? That's a word I use all the time. It's like, how are you increasing, creating more engagement? You want to learn more from the people that are buying from you so that you can offer them more, more value, whether that's upsells, other products, you name it. Yeah. I think when people are providing these services and, you know, content specifically, they're selfish. They're thinking selfishly. You know, and content has to be created from a place of value and service has to be created from a place of value. And, you know, I think of business a lot of times in, in the context of relationship, like yep. it's relationship building. That's what branding is doing is building trust, it's building reputation, uh, the content you put out, you're creating relationship on social media, um, all these different touches. And it's like, you know, if you've ever loved, uh, you know, a guy or a girl and, you know, you've, you've aged a little bit to mature and learn, you know, that you cannot handcuff them to you. Right. You know, it doesn't work that way. You cannot right. force them to be with you, cannot force them to love you, cannot force them to choose to be around you. It has to be their choice. And the same thing with customers. Um, and so, you know, when brands are forcing that move, um, you know, I think there is like d decision paralysis if you're giving them too many options, sure. right? So Absolutely. many options that they can't choose. There's that like that art to it um, or that science to it. But in general, it's don't make this painful for me. You know, like I, I remember there was a big move with like phone subscriptions, I think, like back in the day when cell phones were first coming out and you get locked into these contracts that were just yep. like hell and they're still like kind of hell. But, you know, we moved to these like all of a sudden there's a big move and a big opening for where you could be month to month on a plan. Well, and it, it was interesting to see that they'd lock you in and then there started to be these campaigns where they would buy out your contract to try to win you over. And then now it's kind of like a lot, it's just a lot easier to just go month to month or whatever. Like there's a, not a big differentiator between that anymore. And that's the beauty of competition, right? Like other yeah, brands. Yeah, it's like but, I'll pay a few more bucks a month to be able to have my choice. 
that if you start treating me like crap, I can leave. That's what I really want is like I'm paying a service provider. And if service starts going down, I want to be able to move. Right. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of times you can't do that um, when you're in those contracts. So I love that. Like, talk to me about, um, actually, before I go into my next question, let's give, let's give a shout out to our sponsor. As a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Double, the experts in pairing founders with remote executive assistants you can trust. It can be super hard to find the right assistant. I'm so glad I've learned about Double. They're built specifically for startup founders. Startup Hustle listeners, go to withdouble.com, use code HUSTLE22 and unlock 50% off your first month. Or you can just click on the link in the show notes too. I'll have those in the notes. Um <clears throat> Okay, back to subscriptions. So talk to me about, you know, some of the, like, let's say a company has a subscription and is looking to get better, or let's say a two-part question. Let's say, uh, you know, a, um, a startup is, is getting some traffic on their D2C site and they're like, I've thought about a subscription. Where should I start? So one, sure. you know, what are some things people are doing to get better, like to have maybe a basic one? And then two, like if someone's looking to get started from scratch, um, what's a great way to do that? Well, so, so I'll answer the second part because it kind of plays in the first um, is if you're thinking about it, a couple of things I would be interested in doing is like talking to customers, right? So a lot of brands that launch are launching subscriptions are doing so because they're getting requests from their customers. You got a core group of people that are ordering the product regularly. They like the product regularly. They would like to just get it and not have to think about it or go reorder every time they're out. So you want to see if you're getting some customer like requests. And if you're not necessarily getting customer requests, you can always go and ask existing customers like would you be interested in a subscription like would you want like you can look at your own purchase or order history to see like what what's my repeat purchase do i have a lot of people that are buying every month or every six weeks or every quarter like looking at that maybe if there's are some patterns and some strong patterns there you can think all right well we should be testing a subscribe and say program to see if we can capture some more revenue out of this okay. so the, the reason I kind of lead with that is because, you know, you're go coming at that from a mindset of like you're, you're either listening to and or you're asking your customers and listening to the responses about what they want and what they're doing. And so the great next step from a scale standpoint, it comes down to information gathering. So there's like there's two parts, two main really key components to a, a great subscription program. And that's the acquisition side when you first get somebody to subscribe. And then there's a point where they're ongoing and then they decide to cancel. So those are two really big points. There's a lot that happens in between, but for the purposes of like thinking about what you should be, how you should be approaching it. I want more information around the acquisition standpoint. So whether that's interviewing people, sending a phone call, the founder, if you're reaching out directly to somebody especially if you're tracking somebody that's subscribed that's never tried the product before. That's that's really interesting, right? Because if somebody's tried it a couple of times, it makes sense that they would want to subscribe. What's motivating somebody who's never tried your product before and that is willing to subscribe, right? So you want to try to collect data from both. The second one can be really vital. And let's be practical real quick. Just like, what does that look like collecting data? Is that like the order comes in and you send, you're sending them like a, an email that says like, we'd love to know why you bought from us? Yeah. It's, it, there's a couple ways to do it and it's not scalable. I don't know of great, like there's survey technology, but there's not like subscription e-commerce survey technology specifically for subscriptions. So there's not a tool. It's a little bit of a grind, but it is literally like, that's why I say from a founder standpoint, like literally if, if you're collecting a phone number, like shoot them a text or send them a call. Like most buyers, if they know that you're genuinely interested in them, they'll feel a little flattered that the founder or the director of marketing or whatever is like, I would love to pick your brain. And if you start doing that, 
and you're getting a little bit of like, oh, I don't know, like you can add, you can add offers to that. You can add, I'd love to give you a coupon on the next time you order. You know what I mean? Or I'd love to send you a free gift, but really it's like, tell me, tell me what you love about this, what, what you're interested in, why you bought it. Um, what's motivating you. You want to get all the psychology behind what's helped the per- purchase decision so that you can continue to improve that. Like as just as a quick example, if you're selling, you know, pet food and you know, the people are buying it because they heard their friend said that it was fresh, but you don't have fresh on your product page, right? Or you'd only have it once, right? But you, you do these a couple of times and people say like, yeah, I, I heard from a friend that these are really fresh. Well, now I'm going to go back to my product page and I'm going to, I'm actually going to add quotes from people that are citing how fresh the food is. To reinforce it. Yeah. I'm going to drop in fresh like 30 times on that page. Right. Or I'm going to create an ad around that and drive traffic in that way. Right. And so, so that, so that's the first part and that's a little bit harder to automate, right? You can trigger automated emails. You can include links from SurveyMonkey. Like there's ways you can scale that, but I would just suggest just starting with a, a personal email or a personal text or phone call just to try to gather information. The I other side it. is want- churn. Let me Sorry, just jump in. Yeah. yeah, let me jump in real quick. I was just going to give a little tip from the B2B side. One thing I have done is like, you know, we might have 50 or so brands that we're working with on a monthly basis here at Marknology. I have a couple that whenever I'm rolling out anything new, right. I definitely, they're like kind of my go-to customers, my go-to, yep. like, you know, my VIP, so to speak. I go to them, I ask them for their like candid feedback. You know, they've been a fan a long time. What do you guys think about this? And it's not like a brand new customer um, where I'm getting their, you know, maybe more authentic, like just like true transparent feedback, uh, because I didn't know why they had them. It is usually a customer that I have some trust with. We've built relationship and I'm getting, I do feel like I'm getting their authentic feedback. Um, but that's like, you know, if I'm saying, Hey, I'm thinking about creating a new LinkedIn group just for my brands, or I'm thinking about, you know, launching a 3PL, or I'm thinking about, adding, you know, video services to my, you know, would it be something that's useful to you? What do you think about this pitch deck? What do you think about the service? What do you think about, you know, the value? And, um, you know, they're, they're not just straight yes people. So, you know, I feel like that's a great way if you have, um, if you can have a couple of customers like that, that you can go to, um, you, you should and totally going start back, there. Back to and, and the other thing too, would be then other communities, like, great brands that are fostering like a Facebook group or something else, like people that kind of like, like the brand, like you could be doing something like that, or even into a group that's maybe not like your group, but you know, say if you're selling like, again, the pet food and you want to find some dog Facebook groups on about with pets on, you could, you can ask, ask to ask to like, it all, it all comes down to how you ask that thing, right? If people think you're just taking, you're going to get shut down, but there's a lot of different ways to start to try to like reach out and get information, existing customers, groups, foster your own group. One of the beautiful things like, uh, you know, I hear from brands is when they, they create a group around a problem. And then after they built the group up to like a hundred people, then they're like, Hey, I've got a product that I think solves this problem. Can I get everybody's feedback from that? And now you've already, you've got a hundred people that are willing to give you really cold feedback and also your first hundred potential like customers. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, that's a great method to, to, to kind of, um, to take when you're, but yeah, it's gotta be a little bit of a manual side when you're collecting information on that, on that kind of thing. You can also be tracking if like from a, just a straight data play, you need to be tracking like conversion percentages, like what what buttons people are clicking on the product page, if they're collecting subscribe and save or not, you know, you, you want to be looking at that data as well. Um, just to start. So you have a baseline in place for like testing things, right? Like if I'm going to 
again, with that assertion, if I know what my typical conversion rate is to subscribe and save, and now I'm going to go change and add fresh in this quote in, I want to be able to see that I'm actually converting at a higher percentage. You know, you know what I mean? That's something that that should be part of the process. Um, no, on Amazon, um, that's very much like how the PPC works. You know, the PPC is there to drive traffic, but very much so it's there for data. I mean, I think that's the right. number one value that it has. And so when brands are outsourcing that and they have no idea which keywords are driving sales to specific items, um, how can they have any, you know, idea or direction on how to improve or where to go next? Or, um, you know, so if every keyword's coming in under fresh, let's say, um, I'm going to double down on my content around fresh, right. you know, so, you know, you're trying a whole bunch of different things. You're seeing what works, you know, on, on a website, you have Google analytics that's telling you it came in from this blog or this Pinterest post or this social media post, or, you know, as, as well as your, your tracking. Um, and you can get a little bit more insights there on Amazon. I think a lot of those insights come from PPC. Um, you know, you can, you can follow up with customers to an extent. You can definitely see why they found you and why they bought. Um, and that can be huge for improving, you know, all those metrics we care so much about, like click through rate and conversion rate, things right, like that. Totally. Yeah. So then the kind of the other, other half of the coin from acquisition is churn. Um, and, um, you know, there's, it's, it's not too hard. It's, it's harder with Amazon cause you don't get necessarily feedback. Um, they might be rolling out a new feature with like some cancellation surveys, but, um, but that's definitely an absolute must for your D2C website, right? Um, where you're collecting some information around the cancellation. So the most common reason just in general, why people churn is like they have too much product, but, um, and there's ways to address that. So the, the kind of story I'd like to tell about this, like how you kind of tie these two together. So churn is acquisition is the re reason why people buy churn is the reason why people cancel. And not everybody's going to tell you why they cancel if they're, but there's going to be, and there's always going to be a subset of people that like, you know, just hate the product or they're just sick of it, but there's going to be a plenty of people who still kind of like it, or they're not sure, or maybe they have too much. There's, there's a, there's a huge variance in that kind of like lukewarm, um, you know, feeling towards your brand. But the, the idea is you, you then you marry these two pieces together. So, so my example is, is a, is a pet food company, which is why I brought that up. They're called iHeart Dogs and they do, um, they do really well with, one of their kind of missions is they donate food to a shelter to feed shelter pets with every purchase you make. So they ran subscriptions with us for a while and they didn't really do much with it. They just kind of left it flat, they, but they were gathering information as, as they were like working on other parts of their business. And when it came around to focus on subscriptions, like they'd gotten some other things dialed in and they wanted to try to scale that they were ready to scale their subscription program. They had gotten some really interesting feedback. And the feedback was, is that people were, ending up with the wrong amount of pet food because they weren't sure how much pet food they needed for their size dog. So it makes sense, right? Whether you have a little dog or a big dog, you might order too much or too little. And so people were running out and canceling and having to do a one-time order or something like that, right? So what they, what they did with all that information is they went back to their product page and they designed, you can go to it right now, iheartdogs.com, go look at any of their products, their product page you'll see a very simple thing where it asks uh, the visitor to select the size of their dog, you know, small, medium, large with a weight size. And depending on what you pick, it shows a different like amount and a frequency based on mm -hmm. that. Right. And so what, what that did was twofold though. It was, it's really fascinating is, um, you know, I, I interviewed their CTO um, earlier this year about this because it's just such an interesting idea. First, their conversions went up because they did a better job of explaining how much people should buy 
And so that's another critical piece. Usage is often like assumed that the person knows how much they should be buying. Even something as simple as like, you know, a 30 uh, pill bottle and you take one a day, you need to order a bottle every month. Even something that simple, you should be explaining that. So, so one, conversions go up because now people have a better understanding of how much they should buy. It's really intuitive and in how you select that. But the second thing is that their retention on, on the subscription program went up considerably because now one, the number one reason why people were leaving had been addressed. So now you weren't getting people that still liked the brand and still liked the product that were canceling because they just had too much or they didn't have enough. And so th- that's the, the idea of like marrying those two sets of data together. And so from a scale perspective, anybody who's doing subscriptions and trying to figure out the next stage of growth. That's what I would look at is gathering that information and starting to tie this together as a customer journey. What are people telling us? What are we learning from them? And what other additional value and engagement can we use to make this uh, more sustainable and more valuable to them? Because then people will stick around. And I do think that when we talked about before, the flexibility component can come into play. People want that control. That's always going to be an element. I love it because... Thinking about my dog, um, you know, he's a big boy. He's a 95 pounder. Um, You know, he's, he can get anxiety too. He's a, he's a Doberman. So, you know, they're very codependent and he can go through different eating periods. Like just like when he's hungry, like if I'm gone a lot, you know, he's got more anxiety or whatever he eats when I get home. Um, But, you know, as a dog owner, like I hate switching up his food. So You know, there's some amazing dog brands online that I can't get like locally that I can't pick up in retail. But if he's hungry, I'm going to go out and get some food, you know, so right. it becomes one of those things that's like oh, switching his food is hard on his stomach and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, you're just like, I'm either ordering more so that I never run out or I'm like, I'm going to stick with a brand that's local so I can always just go to the store if I need to and grab it, um, which isn't really ideal knowing how some, a lot of these dog foods are made. You know, you, you get preferences. Uh, yeah, but you're bringing up an issue that's like. To me, what's like the, the future of subscriptions and some brands are doing this now, but you're going to see it more and more is that like your favorite online brand, whether it's Amazon or not, it's and you're on a subscription, you could log in and you could just hit like order now and you get one the next day, you know, or you get, you know, or even same Jump day started, delivery for it. some brands. Right. So you, you know that, well, yeah, like I normally get it every month and I get enough for a month, but something happens. My dog's, you know, overeating or it's just, you know, I need more food right now. Boom. I can just hit a button and get that, or I can move that schedule up and get it. And so I think like that's worth the beauty. Of, and the reason that's happening is because people are trying to find more and more ways to make it so that you don't shop somewhere else. Right. And and that should be the goal of the subscription, not to lock you in without choices, but to make the choice so easy, you never go anywhere else. Right. That's, yeah. that should be the goal of the program. As our lives get busier and busier, these are little small things we can do to give us some of our time back. And so if it's, and that's really what we're selling, in my opinion. Right. That's really what we're selling is like, I'm making this so easy for you that you get your time back and you don't have to worry about this and you can worry about playing cards or whatever right. you want to do, you know, with your other, with your extra time. Um, <clears throat> we're getting close on time. I have one question specifically. I think we need to talk about, you know, what it, like QPilot and specifically like how big does a brand need to be? Um, is it affordable service? Like how big does a brand need to be to start testing with subscription boxes, things like that? Um, I don't think you need to be that big. Like in general, if you're on Shopify, it's really easy to test. There's lots of apps out there. Like, you know, even some of the, there's some even free ones that that are not bad to just getting started. You just have to be careful on how you implement thing, implement them on your theme. Um, you know, so you, you always test on a, on a staging site, right. So that it doesn't affect your regular business. 
for us, we, we can work with smaller brands and by smaller, I mean, like you're doing like 50, you, maybe you have 50 subscriptions a month. Um, for us where the, our real value gets unlocked is as you start to grow to a scale where it becomes difficult to manage price updates, um, product updates, um, you're, you're having difficulty with like the customer experience around what people can change, you know, um, th- that type of thing is where we really start to differentiate ourselves between the competitors because of how our product is built. So, um, okay, that's good information. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, get in there, you're testing just to our listeners, like you're starting to grow your subscriptions and you're like, I want more customization. I, I'm struggling to like, you know, grow this thing and you're looking for options. You're looking for that. That's, that's when they should find you about it. Yeah. And I should add like one thing, um, you know, I do, I'm a big content guy, like we were talking. And so for me, we run, um, a content called subscription prescription. It's a weekly newsletter. We've got a YouTube channel. So regardless of your platform or who you're using, like it's free to subscribe to that. And I'm regularly putting in weekly tips or ideas or strategies of how to approach to build and scale a really great subscription program too. Oh yeah. I'll be signing up myself. Um, no, this has been amazing. You know, as we round out on time, where can people find you personally? Where can people find more about QPilot? Um, we'll have the links in the show, but for everybody listening in the car, um, you know, where, where can they get in contact with you? Sure. Yeah. So website is QPilot, the letter Q and then pilot.com. And then to connect with me personally, I'm on, uh, LinkedIn, Matthew Holman, Twitter as the subscription doc. You can look up subscription prescription on YouTube, as well as just Googling subscription prescription. You should be able to find our, our registration page or, or through my like LinkedIn or Twitter as well. Thank you so much. Um, and once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by our friends over at Double. Double's remote executive assistants can help you with everything from email and calendar organization to expense reporting and database management. Find your perfect assistant today. Click on the link in the show notes to get 50% off your first month using Double. Hustlers, thank you for turning in. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next time, guys. Awesome. Thanks. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.